There is always more you can learn. They are mysteries with a capital M because they are infinitely knowable. The more you learn, the more you want to know. That's really what falling in love is, isn't it? From Chicago, it's the Old St. Pat's Podcast Sunday Series, a show that highlights weekly reflections from Old St. Patrick's Church. We all have deep questions about life, and we each have a unique journey in unraveling these mysteries. Yet, at a certain point, we all conclude that the more we uncover, the more we desire to know. It's like the experience of falling in love, the insatiable yearning to learn more about a person. We realize that we can never get enough of the one we love. Today, Father Pat McGrath shares a great story reflecting on the profound parallels between falling in love and the timeless quest to know God. I read this article in 2017. I've read some since then, but I read this article in 2017 in the New York Times, and it struck me as one of the best descriptions of what we really try to do as people of faith when we try to talk about, we try to live into the truth of who our God is for us. It's beautifully written, and I want to share just a piece of it. The author's name is Carrie Egan, and it was actually in that recurring column in the Times called Modern Love, where it talks about just relationships and people finding their way in the world. And Egan writes this story about her own marriage. On the drive from the Calgary airport to the hotel for our honeymoon, my husband casually mentioned that he would need to find a criminal defense attorney when we got home. I'll probably just plead no contest to rioting, Alex said as we sped by the brown prairie grass. And the resisting arrest, that's just something they always tack on. I clutched the door handle of the little red rental car, feeling lightheaded and panicky. What? I said. The Rocky Mountains, once so lovely in the distance, now loomed before us. The obstruction of justice is a trumped-up charge, he continued, but it's definitely something to deal with. What? I said again. He began to explain in a calm and lawyerly way what the charge meant and why it wasn't really applicable in this case. No, I mean, what in God's name are you talking about? That's the clean version of what I said, she writes. Alex explained that on the night of his bachelor party, which you will discover in the rest of the story happened just a night before, two nights before the wedding, he and a few other friends had gotten into a drunken argument with some locals in the only bar in town, apparently over a flip-flop. Someone at some point threw a punch and it all went downhill from there. He and four members of our wedding party had spent the night in jail. The others had just been put in the drunk tank, but my husband of a day, claiming he was only trying to help by intervening when a friend was being hauled into the police car, well, he had been arrested on multiple charges. Are you actually serious, I said? Yeah, he said, turning to me with surprise. Are you upset? <laughs> yes, I'm upset. Why? I'll have to pay a fine, but it's not the end of the world. You might go to jail in Virginia. Highly unlikely, he said. Why didn't you tell me? 
Well, there was a chance I might not have made it to the ceremony if the judge had decided not to grant bail, and we didn't want you to worry about that before the wedding. We? Who is we? I asked. Well, everyone else at the wedding, everybody but you. And she goes on to describe how everybody knew about the arrest except her, and they were all in on just playing a game before the wedding itself so that they could keep the bride calm and in the dark on what had happened in all of this. Everyone had known but me, she writes. It was too much. Our marriage is based on a lie, I yelled, and burst into tears. It wasn't a lie, of course, not really. It was simply a lack of information. That's an important distinction. Back then, I wasn't a hospice chaplain yet, a job in which I now spend much of my time listening to dying people's secrets and revelations. If I had been a chaplain back then, I would have known that not one of us ever has all the information when we get married. The state of being married is coming to the realization that the person you have pledged your life to is at heart a mystery. There will always be things unknown to you. In the end, as at the beginning, we are mysteries to each other. The work of chaplaincy dabbles in mystery all the time. The mystery of God, the mystery of death, the mystery of life. What was it all for? What does it all mean? Mean. Add love to the list of those mysteries. And here's the important part. In chaplaincy, a mystery is not something that cannot be known. It's the opposite. We say God and life and death are mysteries in theological language, not because they are unknowable, but because there is so much to know that you can never know the depth of it. There is always more you can learn. They are mysteries with a capital M because they are infinitely knowable. The more you learn, the more you want to know. That's really what falling in love is, isn't it? Yearning to know more about a person, the amazement and delight as each layer is peeled back, the realization that you can never get enough of the one you love. Perhaps the death knell of love is not anger or even indifference. It's losing the desire to know more about your partner. You can never get enough of the one you love. This is Trinity Sunday. The joke among preachers and priests is that if you want to hear the worst preaching of the year, make sure you're there for Trinity Sunday. <laughs> because the preacher so often can get lost in some sort of a theological or a philosophical meandering trying to explain terms like homoousion and consubstantial and the progression of the spirit inspiration. You know. <laughs> and yet, when we speak of our God on this Trinity Sunday, when we come together to reflect a little bit more on this God that we have come to know in our tradition, the least wrong way we've discovered to describe our God is to say God is, in fact, mystery. 
Mystery not because God is unknowable, but because of the mystery of the depth of the layers of coming to know this God who has loved us into existence, this God who sustains all of creation. The central proclamation we make in this church, in this community we call Christian and Catholic, when we describe God is to say, God is Trinity, triune, three persons. Unless we get lost in that philosophical language, it's the mystics, not the theologians, who help us most, it seems to me. When they tell us that perhaps a way to think of this is this trinity, this, this triune relationship is in fact a community of love. It's a community of love. It's the lover, God the lover, the beloved son to whom the love is directed and pours forth and the love between them that reaches out that is created and generated by their love for one another is the Spirit of God in the world. The least wrong way we've come to describe God in our tradition is to say God is love and the radical, audacious, crazy, life-saving thing we have said about this is that Jesus, because of him, because of Jesus and who he is and what he does, he has brought us in, has invited us into the very life of God you and I have been drawn into personally this love affair of God with God's creation. That those philosophical and theological proclamations are so important and they are the testimony of ages, of centuries, of smart people pouring over and deepening our understanding of who God is. But when it comes right down to it, this woman describing her evolving love affair with her new husband perhaps tells us more of what it looks like to love God than anything else that's been written in the tradition. Which is to say, the experience of loving, the invitation into the more, the wonder at the mystery of a person in front of us. I can remember my parents saying after 50 years of marriage, usually in frustration, something about the other along the lines of, I can't believe he did that. He still surprises me. That there was still something new they could discover in each other. That they could still surprise one another with who they are and how they were engaging in the world. And the gift of our tradition the reflection we're invited into on this Trinity Sunday is to take one step further into that mystery of God who invites us to know God just a bit more in some new way today. You've been invited, we've been invited into friendship with God, into the relationship and the very life of God, this God who is love, this God who is community and communion. This God who is mystery, not in the unknowingness of it all, but in the depths of the knowing that we can come to in the course of a lifetime. And there will be times where it seems completely unknowable, or God seems very far away. And there will be times when the resonance in our soul in some strange or beautiful moment will be an affirmation of the truth and existence of God that words can't capture, that theologians can't describe, that mystics can get close. And so we've come here today to enter in more deeply to a reflection, a gratitude, an expression of hope 
and a deepening desire to step into that friendship with God, to live it more generously, to be more crazy in the way and audacious in the ways that we build community and that we share this God of love with a world that seems to have forgotten how to love because we've been missioned by him who has invited us into it all, the one who has shown us the way to do it, the pathway, the way, the truth, the life, the one who demonstrates by who he is and how he is what it looks like to build up, to heal, to reconcile, to be people of hope. And so we've come to be in the midst of the mystery again. And mystery inspires awe, awe and wonder that more often than not is beyond words. And mystery inspires joy, a deep down freshness in the places of our soul where words don't reach but truth resides. Mystery, awe, joy, and mission to be sent to be that for the world. And this wisdom figure tells us that you can never get enough of the one you love. And so we keep coming back here to be fed on holy words and stories. We've come to be fed by holy food, the, the presence of the God who calls us into this life. We've come here to be fed and supported by this community that seeks in its own imperfect way to be a bit more about that love and communion we've been invited to share. It's Trinity Sunday. We've come to be reminded of the center of our lives, of who we are and whose we are. And we've come here because you can never get enough of the one you love. Time now for announcements and events. Are you an expert in the marketing, digital, or communications industry? Yes? Then Old St. Pat's needs your talents. Join the OSP Marketing, Digital, and Communications Committee and make a difference in our growing ministry and outreach. Help shape future strategies, evaluate member communications, and engage in our community. It's easy to get involved. Just complete the form and indicate your interest in joining the committee. If you have experience in social media, digital advertising, web UX, marketing, branding, or PR, we want you. Apply now and be part of Old St. Patrick's mission to serve the community. Visit our website for more details and the application form. As a reminder, today is the yoga session brought to you by the Women's Spirituality Group and will take place on the lawn next to Old St. Pat's. Join us at 6.30 in the OSP Courtyard. The yoga session will be followed by a delightful mingling session celebrating the beginning of summer. Remember to bring your yoga mat. See you there. Become part of OSP's liturgical ministries by joining our training sessions for hospitality ministers and Eucharistic ministers on Sunday, June 11th after the 11 a.m. Mass. At Old St. Patrick's, hospitality is the heart of who we are. That's why all ministers will receive training as hospitality ministers. The training sessions will last approximately one hour, providing you with the knowledge and skills to make a meaningful impact. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at liturgy at oldstpats.org. And save the date for the Hearts on Fire Summer Retreat for young adults that will take place on June 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at 625 West Adams. The retreat is $20 and there'll be a small group reflection, mass, lunch, and much more. See the Crossroads publication for all the details. Hope you'll be able to join. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. The homily was originally given at the 5 p.m. Mass on Sunday, June 4th by Father Pat McGrath. For more information about all resources available, visit our website at oldstpats.org. To stay up to date with new episodes, please follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Old St. Pat's app. Find us on Twitter at Old St. Pat's and on Instagram at Old St. Pat's Chicago. You've been listening to the Old St. Pat's Podcast. Thank you.